All right. Good morning. Good morning. So, praise God. Uh, Terry and Emerson Manning are grandparents now, about three o'clock in the morning. So, there was ever a grandma that needed to be a grandma was Terry Manning. I think she became an adopted grandma of a lot of kids, but now she is officially. So congratulations to Jordan and her husband, and uh, good stuff. So, um, wow. I feel like, I feel led to do something I've never done before, and that is I'm going to give you a different message than what I did in the first service. So. Unless you were here in the first service, you have no idea what that means, so it won't make any difference anyway. Now, if you were here in the first service last week, you may get a bit of a repeat, but that's okay. Because, God, I won't do it the same way, more than likely. (laughs) But uh, thank you, Lord. Uh, Happy July 4th tomorrow. 235 years birthday. I guess we're celebrating tomorrow, right? July 4th. And uh, I'm sure everybody's getting in the middle of your July 4th holiday weekend plan. So thanks for being here with us. Um, I was thinking recently just about how many people are kind of in a season of transition in your life? Can you just raise? Wow. (laughs) Look at this. A season of transition. And uh, man, I was thinking back to the founding of our nation as as a history teacher You know, it's something that I I just reminded of a lot. It's amazing to me how many high school students don't know that we haven't always been governed under the U.S. Constitution. How many adults knew that? We haven't always been governed. In fact, there was something before that called the Articles of Confederation. And uh, the Articles of Confederation governed us for roughly about seven years or so. But under that, I mean, besides all that, there was such a transition that happened from the revolution to becoming a fledgling new nation. It's just remarkable, isn't it? And uh, in the first service I was talking about that season in the wilderness that Jesus had where his identity was questioned by if you're the son of God, you know, change these stones to bread. And the, the stones to bread speak of provision. And then the enemy questions his identity, or, sorry, his, his identity, his protection, his provision, his protection. And then finally, here's all the kingdoms of the world, you know, and their glory. You can have all these if you'll bow down and worship me. And it's like the enemy, the tempter came and tempted Jesus with a false glory, even. You can have all these kingdoms. And it's like, even in our fledging little nation, our identity as Americans was really in doubt, you know, because under the Articles of Confederation, it was more like the United Countries of America, because each of the 13 states were like separate entities of themselves, you know, confederated, brought together for certain purposes, but not really officially like we know today. So our identity was questioned, how we were going to protect ourselves, how we were going to provide for ourselves, all that was really a question. But in that transition, isn't God faithful? He's gotten us to where we are. So this is my little 4th of July, just blurb here. Just, you know, encouragement, like being thankful for the United States of America. Isn't it amazing what God's done? He truly has shed His grace upon us. And He's blessed us, not with just provision, but also enabled us through the faith of God. He's enabled us to preach the gospel all over the world as our nation. And in terms of identity, I feel like that's the one thing that we want to remember this morning, is that one of the primary reasons that we exist is for freedom. It's for the freedom of Christ, the liberty of Christ. And part of the benefit of that is we have been free and enabled by Him to take the good news 
of the kingdom of heaven all over the world. And I think that if we continue to do so, God will continue to preserve our land. I believe that's his heart, is that God wants to continue to preserve our land. How many people believe that? Let's just pray right now. Can we pray? God, we thank you that you've blessed us. We don't ever want to take any of that for granted. We thank you for the crazy freedom that we have here. Than in other parts of the planet, even places that think they have freedom, God, the, what we have here is so unbelievable. And God, I ask you right now to remind our hearts of the furious love of God that's been shed upon us and that that love can be taken by us as Americans into the world. That the love of God will reach the uttermost parts of the earth. We thank you for that. I pray for that furious love to pursue us even this morning, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about a grace of faith this morning. It's called the gift of faith. And, you know, here's the thing about faith. We've made sometimes in, in the church overall, we've made faith this mental thing that we need to work up. Like if you just have enough faith, if I can just believe God enough, if I can just trust God enough. But really, in all honesty, where we're trying to get that faith is in this thing right here in our mind. But real faith is a faith that comes not in your mind, but it's a gift of Christ in your heart. Okay? Now to understand though that though, because in order to understand anything that comes into your heart, not something you understand in your mind, it can only be received spiritually. Okay? And so I wrote down here that faith can only be properly understood in spiritual terms. It all begins and ends with God. Now, if you ask somebody what faith is, you might get many different answers. So let me clarify. By faith, by gift or grace of faith this morning, I'm not necessarily talking about, um, well, I'm of the Christian faith. You know, somebody might think of that as, as a faith. There's many faiths in the world. That's not necessarily the type of faith I'm talking about. Nor am I necessarily talking about saving faith, although that's an application that could be brought from here. But what I'm talking about this morning is the substance of the supernatural realm. Okay, Bill Johnson calls faith the currency of heaven, almost like money. It's something that is used in the spiritual realm. That's the kind of faith that I'm talking about. But here's the good news. It can't be earned. Unlike money, you don't go to work and earn your faith. It's freely given to you. Isn't that, all? That's good. Isn't that good news? Like Now, all of us get up on Tuesday morning after the 4th of July holiday, and we go to work and we earn our money. We earn the paycheck. So therefore, in the natural mind, you're going to think, you're going to understand faith as something that you do this, you do that, you find favor with God, you do these things, you do your Christian duties, and your faith grows. I'm here to tell you, that's not what the Bible says. That's not where faith comes from. Romans 10:17 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? By the words of Christ, literally. By the word of God. That's what I want to emphasize this morning is where do you get faith from? You get faith from the Word. From the Word of God. I'm going to define what that is here in a minute. But I want to start with this testimony in my life. Um, for those of you who don't know me very well, just a quick run thing about my life. Uh, let's see, 16 years ago I got married. And 12 years ago I was divorced. Okay, and I have a son, my oldest son, from that marriage who turns 14 this month. And 
his name's Noah, and uh, is a great kid, but he, he's actually going into high school this year. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What's happened to my youth? See these gray hairs right here? Anyway, that's a whole other point. Um, for the better part of the first nine years of his life, I and then Sarah and I, when we got married, had custody of Noah. And, uh, you know, so he lived mostly with us during that time. And then at um, nine years old, right before I think he was going into the fourth grade, um, he wanted to go and live primarily with his mom. And uh, she wanted him, you know, primary custody of him also. And so uh, I guess I sort of had this crisis of faith (laughs) that went on in my life. Because if you're in a similar situation or you've been in a similar situation, that's not necessarily the easiest kind of decision to make as a parent. Because I could list out, you know, a bunch of reasons on my do's and don'ts on a list of why I shouldn't do that. Okay? But here's one of the things. I didn't want to presume upon God that I should do it or I shouldn't do it. Do you understand that? So, I was in a need here. I needed a word from the Lord. And so I went through this process of really praying and seeking God. My heart, my emotions wanted me to say the best place is for him to be with us, to stay here. And again, you can probably understand how that works in your mind and in your emotions. But again, I didn't want to presume that. So I'll never forget one day I was having this conversation with this person and just really seeking the Lord. And all of a sudden... It was like the voice, it wasn't like this audible voice, but this still, this voice of Jesus came to me and said, Matthew, do you trust me? I was like, well, if you say it like that, Lord, of course I trust you. He's like, then you need to trust me when I tell you that Noah's going to be okay. You can send him back to live with his mom. I was like, okay, that's what I'll do then, Lord. And... So, you know, he's 14 now. It's been five years. There's still still many years to go. I'm not saying this story is complete. But in the last five years, I believe in part because of that decision, there's been some other key things the Lord has done along the way. We've seen this young man, becoming a young man, really have God work powerfully in his life. And I could tell you a bunch of testimonies of the things God's done. But even besides that, this person, okay, his mother, who I was once married to, that, um, let me use a nice word, that I used to disdain greatly, okay, um, because, I believe partly because I responded to that word in the right way, to this day, not only do I not disdain her, but I, I like her as a friend, um, she's a... I honor her as a woman, as a person. And to this day, not only do we get along, but I can say we're friends. In fact, this past Christmas, we were driving home. We had Noah. We needed to drop him back off. We actually sat down at a restaurant with her and her husband and their child and me and Sarah and all of our kids. We sat down at a table together. And not only was it dinner together, but it was like hanging out with friends. Now, I'm telling you, That's a miracle. That's a miracle. Some of you know how big of a miracle that could be. But I learned something in this this experience, this testimony, okay? 
And again, not that it's over or it's complete, but I learned that what I need in my life when I have a crisis is I need the faith that I don't have. I need the faith that he has. I need the faith of Christ to come into my heart. Where do I get that faith? I get that faith from the word of Christ. When I hear him speak to me, then I can know that I can know that it's real, that it'll happen, and that I can take it to the bank. And there's been many days where some issue was happening in his life, or, you know, my mom, grandma was concerned about this or that, and I would say, no, here's the thing, mom, Noah's going to be okay. How do I know? I just know that I know. How do I know that I know? Because the faith of Christ was released into my heart. And I'm telling you this morning, whatever the situation is in your life today, you don't need your faith. You don't need to try to believe it enough. You need the word of the Lord to come real into your heart. And then you've got something tangible. You've got something you can hold on to. You can, that is the real faith of Christ. You see, we've gotten confused between this difference between belief and faith. Belief is something that is mental, that's, you know, a natural mind. If you believe it enough, then it will happen. Faith is something that's supernatural. It comes from Him, and it's a gift that's given to you. Isn't that good news? 1 Corinthians 2 says it this way, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Okay, you hear that? Freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. You see, my words even, if you don't hear my words by the Spirit, by the mind of your heart, by the understanding of your heart, it won't help you. It's, it's even risky for you, me to explain in man's words. Because this is a spiritual wisdom, Paul's saying this, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, but here's the thing, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, that's you and I as we have Christ, judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have the mind of Christ. Now turn to the person on the other side if there is one. Or maybe it's yourself and say, self, you have the mind of Christ. I've been doing this series on spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 9 lists a gift of faith. And this is one part of that, I guess. I don't have a complete revelation on this thing. But a gift of faith is the grace of faith. Chris Underwood spoke on a few on Wednesdays ago, he's, he gave all these translations of Galatians 2.20. Let me read it in the good old King James Version, because King James got it right. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, 
I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness cometh by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Ow, wow. You mean to tell me if it's my faith, my Jesus died in vain? How dare I try to work up this belief in my faith? It's not my faith or your faith. It's the faith of Christ. That's why he died. He died to set us free so that we can live. And faith is an aspect of that. By the way, so are peace, love, and joy. All these fruits of the Spirit are actually gifts. They're all the same. They're all grace of the Spirit. They're His love, His joy. Has anybody ever had joy when you shouldn't have joy? Has anybody ever had peace when you shouldn't have peace? Where does it come from? It ain't you. It comes from His peace, His joy, His love is shed abroad in our hearts. Come on, somebody preach. Come on. Faith, number one, is a gift from God. Number two, faith is a grace from God. Like I said, it's not earned, it's not deserved, and it's not, now hear me, it's not worked up. There's a lot of pressure sometimes in the church to work up faith. Well, brother, I'll tell you what you need to do. You just need to read 25,000 scriptures on the Word to get the Word. And just, oh. You know what? You need to lay back. You need to sit together with Christ in the heavenly places. You need to realize Christ lives in you. All the fullness of the kingdom dwells in you. What does that mean? Well, the fullness of the kingdom includes His faith. The faith of God. Because Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved, how? Through faith. And that is not of yourself. It is a gift of of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Have you ever seen somebody boast in their faith? Honestly, yeah, we've seen that, haven't we? I'm probably guilty of it. You've seen me, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> Don't boast. This isn't about boasting. This isn't about how good you or I or whoever out there in the, in the church world is. This is about how good God is, Brian. That's right. It's about how good He is, how rich He is, how abundant His love is, how much He has in store for you and I. I love what Paul says in Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified, how? By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Isn't it? It's interesting if you really look in the scripture how often faith and grace are married. Like how they're put together, especially in Paul's writings. And I believe that's because faith is a grace. comes by the grace of God in our hearts. Luke 18 is a great story. Then it happened, Luke 18.35. This is an illustration of this thing that faith is a grace. As he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. Now let me stop here and just give you this picture. The Jericho Road, here as it's referred to, was normally a pretty spiritually dark place, I believe. It was dusty, it was dark, there was sickness, there was disease. 
It was dangerous. Thank you. Yeah, there were the Good Samaritan, right. There was probably, I'm just imagining playing, going loose. There was probably not a lot of beautiful daisies along the road. You know, uh, down I-77, the state plants this whole bed of sunflowers. State probably hadn't done that along Jericho Road. You know, it's just not the, the most pleasant place. It was a dusty road in the, outside the skirts of Manila. I've been there. I'll just use that. That doesn't help you, but... This particular day, though, something shifted. There was something different. And there was a blind beggar who was very familiar with this dank place. But this day, Jesus started to walk down the Jericho Road. Suddenly... The sun seemed all brighter. There was incredible seeming abundance of flowers beginning to rise. There were sounds in the air that you could almost hear. There was like a thin veil between heaven and earth. What was the difference? Well, this man here in verse 38, so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was back. Oh, wait, I'm blind. Jesus of Nazareth? Did you say Jesus, this man I've heard about? That's right. Bartimaeus, Jesus is coming down the road. Man, this thing, this road is looking a whole lot different. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, please have mercy on me. Then those who were, went before warned that he should be quiet. It's not proper, Bartimaeus. But he cried out all the more. Now there is a hungry person. Son of David, please. Have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. Command, bring that boy over here to me. Bring him over here. And when he had come near, he asked him saying, What do you want me to do for you? Never assumed anything. He said, Lord, I just want to see that I can receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise to God. Now let me ask you a question. Whose faith did Bartimaeus have? Well, it says here, or it seems to say that Jesus' response to him was, Receive your sight for your faith. But I'm here to tell you, where did the love of God, the agape love of God, come from in your heart? It came from God. It all begins and ends with Him. So this faith that Jesus recognized in Bartimaeus' heart was God's faith. It was the faith of Christ that came into his heart. That gave him that thing that said, I'm going to cry out no matter what it takes. I want to receive my sight. So number one, faith is a gift from God. Number two, faith is a grace from God. And number three, faith comes... Through the spoken, written, and living word, it originates with him. Just an interesting little word study here. That you know, you, you probably know this, but the, the Greek word for for word, W O R D, many times in the New Testament is logos. And logos, though, can be many mean a few different things. Number one, Jesus is the living logos. That's what Bartimaeus encountered there. John 1.1 1, 1 talks about that. The Bible is the written logos, according to Hebrews 4.12. And the Holy Spirit utters the spoken logos. 
We'll talk about that in a few minutes. So Jesus, I'm sorry, faith, um, number three, comes through the spoken, written, and living word. Now consider this. In Luke 7, 6, it says this, and this is picking up in the story of the centurion. Wasn't a Jew, an outsider of the, the nation of Israel. But I'm just going to, for the sake of time, pick up in the middle, Luke 7, 6. Then Jesus went with him, and he, when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I do, did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But, but God. <laughs> Remember that, that message? But God. But, say the word. Say the word, and my servant will be healed. Where did that word, where did that faith come from? From the word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Where did my faith for my son come from? Where did the faith to have the courage to give up the custody, where did it come from? It came because Jesus said the word. The word was uttered and it changed everything. It changed the Jericho road. And my servant will be healed, for I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Not even among the Israelites. Not even in Israel. This guy's an outsider and he sees something that many within my own people don't even see. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. David said a few interesting things about that word. Just a couple snippets here. Psalm 107.20 He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Psalm 33, 9, another one. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Word of God. The Word of God. Now even as I say that, so many of us can't help but think of this book right here. The Word of God. Which is true. That's the written Lagos. But it's that spoken Word. In fact, in that temptation of Jesus in the desert... When the tempter, Satan, came to him and said, Oh, you've been fasting for 40 days? Well, just turn these stones to bread. You'll be alright. You can have this. It's not that big a deal. What was Jesus' response? He quoted Deuteronomy. And he said, Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What you and I need in the season of transition that we're going through is we need the Word of the Lord to come near to our heart. Because when the Word of the Lord gets planted like a seed in our heart, the faith of God is there. It's available. It's easy. It's accessible. Right there. It's not accessible when you're thumbing through going, oh man, I'm just going to... You know, and you're trying to... And you're, you're in your mind and in your emotions, you're, you're panicked. I've been there. I'm not pointing a finger. I've been, I know what that is. You're trying to work this thing up. You're trying to jump through all this religious hoops. And here's the thing. Faith is no formula. In fact, even in my story, I want to say this. Even in the story about my son in that situation, if you are in an exact situation today, 
I can't tell you what to do. Only He can tell you what to do. You cannot presume upon God that because God told Matthew to send his son back in that custody situation, then that's what you should do. No. Get that out of your mind. That's natural thinking. You've got to hear the word of the Lord for you today. Jesus, even in the people that He healed, He he hardly ever healed anybody the same way. It's just no formula for these things. Why? Because we weren't meant for the law. We weren't meant for rules. We were meant for a living, breathing, intimate relationship with Him Himself, the Creator of the universe. Jesus, He's right here. He's with you. He's with me. You got a question? Ask Him. Wait for the answer. Sometimes when you don't have the answer, it doesn't seem to be coming. Do the last thing that you knew that he did say. Go back to the last thing you know he told you and do that until he gives you a new word. Stand on that word, that preceding word. That's Jesus said to Satan. That's how we live. We don't even live by bread. Spiritually, we live by the word that comes from his mouth. All right, here's the conclusion. Number one. Where did my paper go? I just want to tell one more testimony real quick of exactly what he's talking about. We were talking about this yesterday. You know, for everybody that's in transition, one of the biggest transitions we've gone through just recently is having a baby. And for one thing is sometimes you don't plan the transition, okay? You don't plan ahead of time it comes up you've got all the your ducks in a row you know we didn't we this was a surprise but the deal is i realize now that he has used her he was she was his plan totally and she he has used her to speak a word to us that we needed because of the season we were going to go in and and are going into you know, but in the middle of it, he spoke to me really clearly. You are exactly where I, I placed you here. Don't you move. That's what he said. I've placed you here. Don't you move. And he said that, he did that by showing me that he had put us, he had set us up in the house we were in set us up without us even realizing it. We were moving into our house, building our house, creating this house, this house plan, and I was pregnant with Ben, our third son, and we thought we were done. I mean, we had it on. It was funny. We watched video the other day, and at the birth, Matthew was saying, this is our third and last child. (laughs) That's what he thought. He said it on the videotape. It was, this is our third and last child. And we had two more, you know. But we were getting in that house, and the Lord showed me. Just in case you're wondering, we do know how that happens, okay? (laughs) But, anyways. But in the middle of it, the Lord, He set us up in this home. And He, I didn't know what Ben was going to be, so I, I created this whole wing of this house that I, because I thought we were going to have a girl at that point. And so I created this whole wing of this house and thought, oh, and we're having a boy and it's our last. I don't know why I did this, but okay, great. Ben, we we have a guest room. Not knowing that we were going to have two more girls that would end up being in that place. 
And not only that, that we would have an alcove on our, our, our bedroom that would end up being perfect for her in the transition time right now. But see, what happened was when I got pregnant with her and I was like, <gasps> it was like the Lord was saying, I set you up. I got you covered. But what I want you to know is you are in the house that you were supposed to be, and now there's going to come things ahead of you that are going to make you want to move, but don't you do it. And so what I'm saying is the Lord, if you're getting ready to go in transition, it's like what happened to Jesus is the Lord spoke to him before he ever went into the wilderness saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased because he knew that the, the devil would come to try for those, those, that very thing of his identity. But he spoke to him before he ever got there and said, you're my son. I'm well pleased in you. Don't be shaken from it. You know, and so that was what the Lord did for us was he spoke that word. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Don't you move. And then it's like been life to us. It's like, I'm not worried. I'm exactly where I was supposed to be and I ain't moving. Because God set me up and he put me here and he's taken us through and we're going from glory to glory. And he's got plans and purposes for us. But for right now, I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So that's what that word does. Yeah, good. And just so you don't think our house is bigger than it is, it wasn't actually a whole wing. It was a <laughs> our house is only twenty four hundred square feet. So I just want to, but I know what you meant. Yeah, it was like a whole another bedroom design with a separate bathroom for this, this what we thought would be a girl and turned out to be a boy, not knowing that two girls would follow that. But. Um, Here's the whole thing. I believe in kingdom principles. I believe in these biblical principles in which God can reveal truth in our hearts and our lives. But here's what, can I just be honest with you? And I could be wrong about this, okay? Just be completely humble about it. But here's what I feel like the church has done a lot. It's overstepped the bounds of those principles and said, because I like as an individual, have received it a certain way and God gave me this word to do this a certain way, then, then that's now what you need to do. You need to do it exactly that way or, or similar to that way. And the problem with that is that is not a living, breathing relationship with God. That is following someone else's word that they got from God. Now, Okay, preface that with Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Not that there's anything wrong with gleaning and good, with gleaning from what God's done in another person's life and so, or another pastor, another leader's life and so on and so forth. I'm not trying to discount all that. I just want to just encourage us to be careful. Like if you're looking to somebody else to get to, to uh, uh, how, how do I say this? To be this priest in between you and God. Something's off in your Christian life. God didn't intend us to live that way. He, tend, he, he intended for you to be a king and a priest in his house. To receive those words. So here's to wrap it up. We don't need our faith. We need him. When we get him, we get his faith. Isn't that simple? I mean, the gospel's so simple. That's good news. What do I need today? You just need Him. You just need to grab a hold of Him. You need to just watch Him walk by in your life and grab a hold of the hem of His garments. All right, I got three minutes left. You got room for one more scripture. Okay, one more scripture to wrap this up. 
And I've used this before, so forgive me for any redundancy. But it's this passage in Luke 8. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village. This is Luke 8, 1. Preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, of whom had come out seven demons. Uh, the, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod, Stewart, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him. And when a great multitude had gathered, they had come to him from every city. And he spoke by a parable. He said, a sower went out to sow his seed. And he sowed some that fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. So there's three different types of seed there that were, in one way or the other, done away with. But then the fourth type, others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried out, He who has ears, let him hear what I'm saying. I love the way Jesus preached. And then he sat down. You know, I mean, we want to explain. Like, I'm the most apologetic person. I just don't want to be misunderstood. But Jesus didn't do it that way. He just told this really obscure story about like seeds and birds. Yelled out this ranting, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, and then sat down or walked away. Wow. But then his disciples gathered around. What does this parable mean? He goes, okay, for you guys, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. But because he realized they were going to try to even believe in him with their faith, with their belief. But he said, you guys have already received the kingdom inside of the mind of your heart so you can understand what this means. Just in case you don't, let me help you out, Jesus says. The parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. See, right now, even as I've spoken this morning, that seed faith has been planted in your heart. It's been planted. The question is not has it been planted, not is it there, but will it continue to grow? Because just as soon as it's planted, here's the three things that happen. First, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Saved, saved, healed, and delivered. The devil comes just immediately. Just like he came to, to Jesus in the, in the desert. You know, saying all these things to him. Try to steal that seed. Number two, the ones on the rock are those who when they hear, receive the word with joy, but they have no root who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Now, this is, can be talking about salvation, which is the traditional interpretation and application of this parable, but I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about a situation in your life where you need the faith of Christ, Galatians 2.20. You need that. And the, the Lord, just as surely as He's faithful, comes and gives you the Word. You receive it and are like, yes! I've got the Word, man! This is awesome! I've got it. Matthew taught, I've got the Word now. And, but by Wednesday morning, it's like, you know, whatever you want to interpret the temptation to be has come. You don't even know the Word still exists. 
It's like, what happened to the Word? Here's the third possibility, though. Verse 14, now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they heard, go out and are choked. These are the thorns now. With cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. I think this, for me, I see this in my life way too often. Cares. Let me tell you how this is defined in the Bible. It's literally from two Greek words that mean to divide the mind. A divided mind. The word denotes distractions, anxieties, burdens, and worries. This word means to be anxious beforehand about daily life. (laughs) How do we live daily life? Well, Jesus said, be anxious about nothing. Don't worry about today, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Seek first the kingdom. In my life, though, my mind of up here wants me to worry about those things. Wants me to be anxious about those things. Instead, I need to receive the Word of God about those things. And let that grow and be true in my life, even despite what I may see. Secondly, how about riches? That kind of speaks for itself. And third, pleasures of life. I have a friend who... uh, her and her husband are making these big major life changes and he's been a big with a big company for years actually I think like he's a VP and big salary and big this and they've got two teenage sons that are about to you know get at, or one of them's out of high school the other one's going to be soon and so in her mind she's looking at having grandchildren and and all this stuff well in the meantime the word of the lord came to her and her husband's hearts and said i want you to quit this job i want you to pursue this type of ministry and take care of widows and orphans in other countries yeah but she goes as excited as i am matthew to be honest with you that pleasures of life thing, I envision grandma, me, taking my kids to Disney, I mean the grandkids to Disney World and, you know, this whole thing. But now I've realized that I need to die to that vision in order that that Word of God will ring true in my life and that fruitfulness come. And I thought, I didn't say this to her, but here's what I really think. I was like, because that's your heart attitude, you're going to lay that down and you're going to get Disney World, Carowinds, King's Dominion, the water park. You're going to gain it all because you laid it all down, because you put it to death, because you put that dream, the American dream aside. Lay it down, lay down the American dream for a kingdom dream, for a kingdom reality. I'm preaching to myself, man. I need to hear this thing. Okay, because in this, why? Because in this season of transition, well, for one thing, we've all learned we can't count on the American economy. Which is actually freedom. It's actually freedom. It's a blessing, actually, that that has been shaken as it has, I believe. Because God's getting us into a place where He needs us to be. Mm. But the ones that fell on the good ground, and this is it, are those who, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Here's what I want to do. I. How many of you have had a situation in your life, like I'm talking about, where God spoke and you got a testimony? Like if we had time, we were not going to, don't worry. But if we had time, we could go around the room and share testimonies of how God has intervened and done things in your life. Okay? I want you to bring that thing that you just raised your hand about, I want you to bring it to mind right now. 
Just think about that. How faithful God is. How His provision is abundant. How healing has come to your body. How, you know, your children, whatever it is. And we've said this many times, but in the Bible, the word testimony means do it again. Okay? And now, I want you to bring to mind some issue in your life, some need, some whatever in your life where you need the Word. You need a seed word, a seed of faith. You need the Word of God in your life. Now, let me ask you a question. If God did it one time, could He do it again? Absolutely, couldn't He? God will, wants to, and can, and is going to do it again. Let's stand to our feet. I just want to pray for you. And uh, if we can have some ministry team people come up here. If you came here this morning and you need to be saved, you, need to, you never connected or had this, what people refer to as a personal relationship with Christ, come up here to one of these ministry team people and they're going to pray with you. You can have that today just easily. If you need to be healed or you have an issue of breakthrough in your life, that's what we're here for. Every week, come up here with that need. But I want to pray for us, though, corporately about this faith of Christ. It's Galatians 2.20. It's not I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's the faith of God. Okay, I'm going to pray that that faith would just radiate into your hearts. I'm going to pray that even supernaturally, as sure as you can hear the sound of my voice, that you'll know that you know that the Word of God is being made real, active, and alive in your heart this morning. Is everybody good with that? So just as an act of that, just put your hand on your heart right here. And we just thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you, God, that you paid the whole price, that we gained everything. Lord, we thank you that you died, that we can live. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to deposit right now, plant seeds in hearts all over this room this morning. Mm, Yeah. Just plant the seeds. Yeah, they're being planted. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just let them speak to you right now. I'm not going to take long. 